This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Very excited that we have Dr. Mindy Weinstein, who is an author, and her book is titled The Power of Scarcity. That's exactly what we're going to talk about, is how to use scarcity to create an even better customer experience. And uh, more about that in just a moment. Before we get into it, I have to tell you about our sponsor, Text Expander, a productivity tool, very cool tool. Imagine this, you type the same thing over and over. You respond to customers, clients, whatever you want to call them with the same email again and again. Imagine if you could just have a little code and you type in a few letters and immediately that populates your email, or anything that you write over and over again. It's an incredible productivity tool. My team is using it. Cindy in my office says it saves her hours and hours every week. More about that at the break. Now, before we get into the episode, a couple of quick announcements. And if you've listened to the show, you know what they are. If you've got an amazing story you would like to share or a question you would like to ask, if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep, but go to any of the social media channels. I am pretty much everywhere. I will answer your question there. I will answer it on the show, perhaps in my newsletter or on my TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. And that can be found on Amazon Prime, um, Apple TV, Roku. You can go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv. And you can watch episodes there. All right, let's jump into our interview today with Dr. Mindy Weinstein. Mindy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love the book, The Power of Scarcity, Leveraging Urgency and Demand to Influence Customer Decisions. Now, why would I have a marketing expert talk about scarcity on a customer service and experience show? And I believe that when a company makes you feel special, that you are able to get something that seems or appears to be hard to get, you and you know, if you do it right, you endear them to that company. They feel connected to the brand. They feel like I got something that nobody else could or not many people could. And, and you know, there's a whole, you know, the scarcity mindset is, you know, if you're marketing a scarcity mindset, it's we're trying to make you feel like you're you're going to miss out on something. Mm-hmm. And then I sometimes think that's a little bit, um, for what, what am I saying? Is it pushy, aggressive? Uh, maybe a, a, I want to make you feel bad if you don't get it. You take a totally different approach in your book. Your approach is like a really, really, positive spin on how to create that mindset. That's why I wanted to bring you on a customer experience show. So there you go. That's my setup. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think? Where would you like to start with the concept? You know, you have a few minutes here to hang out and talk. Let's start with like the the big part of the book. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I if you don't mind me giving you some context into why I wrote this book, because that's what I keep getting the question of why is scarcity where you decided just to put you know, your foot down? You're going to just work on this particular topic. And 
for me, I have a marketing background. And when I was working on my PhD, it was in general psychology. And I was really curious of what are those influence factors, you know, with consumers, but there's that fine line, you know, and it's some of the examples you just gave already of what influences people, but not necessarily manipulation or getting them to do something that's not in their best interest. When I started studying these different factors, scarcity stood out to me because it is so primal and it's a lot more than what most of us think. Cause most of us think scarcity and it's what you just said, FOMO, which FOMO, there is a chapter dedicated to that because it's part of scarcity, but it's so much more than that. And that's really what caught my attention was that scarcity has these different outcomes and our brain is wired a certain way to react to scarcity and we can use it in a positive way. And so that's really what got me down that whole rabbit hole. And then when COVID hit and I, that was part of my studies, but when COVID hit and there was a run on toilet paper, I thought to myself, I think this is a book. I mean, this, yeah. I think this is the, a topic that needs to get out get there. Toilet paper at the grocery store. You're being rationed right. out at times. Yeah. That's, I guess, a scarcity. My, it was freaking people out. I remember going to the grocery stores and seeing panic in the stores <laughs> and going over to different aisles and there's nothing in the refrigerator in the meat section. There's, it's oh, all yeah. gone. You know, people are buying and hoarding because they're afraid they're not going to be able to have it. Uh, and fortunately, mm -hmm. uh, they were wrong. Right. That would have been a terrible thing to do, but that's a whole nother set of problems we would have yeah. had. But, but yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the psychology behind mm -hmm. it, a company, they want to create the scarcity mm -hmm. mindset. Is that part of what may drive sales and may drive an experience, uh, ideally a fulfilling experience? Because I was able to get my hopefully something better than toilet paper, but I come <laughs> right. home with a bag of Charmin or, and I go, <laughs> Oh, honey, did I have the best day today? And you I feel like you won. You probably felt like you won at this competition with people you don't know for the telebooper. Well, so there's a lot. Okay, I want to start with, let's look at the four different types of scarcity because that's going to help us unpack this and how does yes. this work with customers? So through my studies, that was one of the things right away I realized is that most of us, when we think of scarcity, it's that buy now or you're going to miss out forever. And that's where that FOMO comes in. But that's just time-related scarcity. That's just one type. That's a restriction on time. But then there's supply related, and that is where it could be a supply shortage, but it could be also something that's limited intentionally to create that exclusivity or that feeling of uniqueness or being special. We see that a lot with Nike drops, for example. Then there's demand related scarcity, and that's true popularity. People are excited. They want something or they know it's going to be in high demand and they want to make sure they get out there and get something. So that's even bestsellers. And then the last one, the fourth one is limited edition and limited edition. It actually is a form of supply related scarcity, but it's just a spin as most of us know on the original. So it could be a service bundle, you know, given to customers, that's a limited edition. It could be a product that just has different packaging. It could be something that comes out for just a limited time. And so the reason I want to describe those is because then what I've found with businesses, you know, I had this academic knowledge because that's what I was studying was scarcity. But when I started working on the book and talking to different businesses, you know, McDonald's talking to 1-800-Flowers, um, I talked to uh, all sorts of businesses that it's really interesting when they were incorporating scarcity 
and depending on which type, they would create community. They would create customer loyalty. They would create fun. They create excitement. They create bonds with customers because they were informing them. And so there's those outcomes I feel like we don't always think about when we think about scarcity. We just think about the, oh, just pressuring someone to do something. By the way, all those reasons you just mentioned, the reasons Mm -hmm. you're on the show, because I believe done the right way, scarcity is a very positive experience Mm -hmm. to a customer. You know, no doubt we're running a special Mm -hmm. buy this today and you get a service bundle that you're not going to get any other time of the Mm -hmm. year. You know, there was a, 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 a clothing store I used to buy all my clothes from. And, and I, I say, I only come in twice a year. One, when you mark everything down to retail, you're two times sales. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we laugh about that. But really, mm-hmm. I kind of, I mean, that was my cadence for years. I want a sport coat. I want to get a sport coat and a suit every year. In the summer, I get a sport coat. The suit I get in, in January mm-hmm. when you have your after holiday sale. And you can count on me. And I even asked, uh, and I realized, if you don't buy it before it goes on sale, you might miss out if it's not there anymore, but it, that didn't bother me. But one of the things the owner of the store said is that, but I could have a thousand customers that would come in twice a year, just like you. I wouldn't have to be open for any more than two months a year because you guys make our business. Interesting. And it's yeah. that loyalty too. It made me feel have. good about, right. yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it's interesting too, uh, you know, as you're saying that, I was thinking about one of the businesses I actually interviewed and completely different business, not retail. It's, um, they run a huge group and I don't even want to call it networking group because it's just big professional group. It's, you know, national, actually, I think they even became global during COVID because they were able to have some virtual aspect too. But when I was talking to the founder of that com- or organization, they hold these events, you know, every single week. But for the people who are joining physically, there are only so many seats. I mean, you can't do that anything about that. There are so many physical seats and they always fill up. And so he said, his name's David. He said, I just came to realize that if I did not update my members and send them an email that says, you know, we are, you know, 25% full and all that. Cause some of those times we're skeptical when we get those as customers. But he said, if I found if I didn't do that, and then someone tried to register for the event and just got a message, we're full, it was a bad experience for them. And they actually got upset. And so he looked at it as I'm informing my members. Cause that's what he calls them. I'm informing them and I'm helping them. Hmm. And of course you always have to have value. I mean, everything we're talking about, I mean, there has to be value there. You go to that store because you like their clothing. I mean, there has to be some reason that's going to draw us in, but when you as a business or in that circumstance I was talking about, you're letting people know, you know, you're important to us. We want to keep you in the loop on what's happening. So uh, I think what you've given people by creating a scarcity mindset, first of all, you can't do it unless it's real. What you're talking about has to be legit. I can't tell you there's only 200 tickets left if there's really 600 and I'm trying to sell 200, you know, more. Uh, You'll get caught. End Mm -hmm. of story. Nobody will ever trust you again. But if you do it right, it really does create an experience of control where the customer feels they have some control over when they buy and why they would want to buy. I mean, Southwest Airlines says we've got our two-day sale. You don't want to buy on the third day. And if you do, there's nothing you can do about going back to yesterday. It won't work. Right, because they've already told you. And I'm so glad you brought up the being genuine with it because that's even something I warn about. We live in an age where it doesn't take much 
to validate whether something is true or not. You know, we can find that information. So I actually even include examples of there. So you have to be careful with it. But the thing is, because I just told you there's all different types, you don't have to make it up. I mean, there's going to be some things that are truly limited. I even feel like that in service industries, especially if you are someone who works, you know, you with your time is really what you provide. You only have 24 hours in the day. I don't think any of us have right. somehow figured out to add more. We don't. So we're naturally have some kind of limitation. And so that's all very true. And one thing I really like that McDonald's has done because they're using scarcity, but they do it in a very fun and exciting way. And so with them, that's why you will see it was out in the fall action that came out, but they had their adult happy meal and it was only out for a limited time, but people had a lot of fun with it and it caused people to go to the restaurant and to feel like McDonald's understood part of the generations they were trying to reach because they had the little nostalgic toys. Now they were selling on eBay for tens of thousands of dollars, but that's Is that crazy? Story. They became <laughs> yeah. collectibles. Yes, they did. And even, okay, well, not to digress too much, but even the McRib when it came out last fall is for their fifth farewell season, which they've had a lot of farewell seasons. I think we're okay. People were trying to sell McRib sandwiches on eBay. And I that's the one I just couldn't couldn't wrap my head around. I don't even know how you buy that. I don't, I don't know, but that's just a side note. But anyway, but I liked that because I felt like with McDonald's when I was talking to the former VP of global marketing, that they truly tried to understand the customers and what would be something that would engage our customers, whether they're tying their product to a current event you know, sporting events, concerts, you know, the latest, latest movie, or are they choosing a particular product that they know their customers would want and they're making it limited edition. I just thought that was really interesting because it showed that they understood who their customers are. Well, uh, let's wrap up this segment and take a real short break in a moment, but I just want to throw out, there's a restaurant that I love to go to. Uh, won't tell you the name of the restaurant, but the initials are Sugar Fire here in, oh gosh, there, I did it again. <laughs> Sugar Fire in St. Louis. Really cool barbecue joint, right? And everybody knows it. Their goal is to run out of food every night. So if you love ribs and they close at nine o'clock at night, I don't know, maybe they close at eight, 10, whatever it is. Chances are, if you show up at 8.30, quarter nine, they're going to have been out of ribs for a while, you know? So they do that because they don't want any, they want to sell it fresh and there's just a limited supply. Never have they ever said, anything that would make me feel that there's this scarcity marketing technique that they're using. They're just saying, we're not going to sell leftover food tomorrow. So we need to just make enough. And if we're good, the last person who comes in here will be the last piece of meat that we sell that night. <laughs> and then they'll have to start all over the next day. But that's a beautiful way of creating scarcity mm -hmm. where you feel, you don't feel intimidated at all with the idea that, oh, I better get there early. But we all know we want to rush. We want to hope it doesn't get there. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, I want to talk about my mom's Beanie Baby collection and how she spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on Beanie Babies. And then what happened? So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're talking to Dr. Mindy Weinstein, and she is the author of The Power of Scarcity, Leveraging Urgency and Demand to Influence Customer Decisions, available at Amazon. Go there today and get it. Dr. Mindy Weinstein, The Power of Scarcity, and we're going to take a short break and come right back. Let's talk about Text Expander, a tool that allows your team to eliminate repetitive typing with just a few keystrokes. 
Anything you type over and over, such as customer responses, will be at your team's fingertips so they have the power to do what they do best, just faster. Quickly reply to emails and chats from a library of responses that you create, completing answers to common questions and issues. Your entire team stays on the same page with the same common responses that can be personalized on the fly. And it's simple to use. Type commonly used content into a text expander snippet and give it an abbreviation of just a few letters and symbols. Share the snippet with the team. When you type the abbreviation, it triggers the snippet and the content expands anywhere you type, including email, chat, or social media. It's that easy. Just go to www.textexpander.com to learn more about this amazing and productive tool. Sign up for a year and get 20% off. To Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Mindy Weinstein, and we are talking about her book, The Power of Scarcity. I love this idea. Now, my mom uh, built up a huge beanie baby collection. I as a matter of fact, when she passed away a couple three years ago, uh, we went into the basement and we not only found I would say close to a thousand Beanie Babies, all beautifully packaged and that she took them all and kept the tags on, kept them in their original packaging, but put them all in a plastic box. And she, I know, was paying hundreds of dollars for some of these Beanie Babies, like the Princess Die Beanie Baby, right? <laughs> and then when we went to sell them, I think we averaged two to $3 a piece on all of them. So uh, let's talk about how a company like Beanie Baby, mm -hmm. I know you have some others that mm -hmm. are in here, even on your dust jacket, you talk about uh, the Tickle Me Elmo dolls right. that sold in the stores for $29.99 that were on eBay for $7,000, mm -hmm. kind of like the McRib sandwich. Yes, yes. By the way, talk about scarcity. Don't wait too long because by the time you get it, the bread will have mold. <laughs> So. I, I wouldn't advise eating a McRib you buy on eBay. <laughs> that might be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, I wonder what the liability opportunity is. <laughs> I so got true. sick from that McRib that you bought and sold, uh, the two-week-old McRib. Right. So. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, well, let's talk about that Beanie Baby, I think, is mm -hmm. a perfect example of all four of the scarcity mm -hmm. type um you know, examples, uh, there's time because mm -hmm. they would come out with, with Beanie Babies based on the time of year, yes. something going on in the world, uh, supply related, mm -hmm. limited number, uh, mm -hmm. the demand was high because people wanted right. them. And of course, many of these were true limited editions, which forces supply and demand mm -hmm. to be affected. So they had all four going at once, didn't they? Right. They absolutely did. And so, I mean, definitely made that was a huge part of the the popularity and the frenzy. But here's the thing too that's interesting about collectors. So Beanie Baby collectors or even collecting something else is that there's different things that happen to you. One, it's that you want to feel that uniqueness, that you have this princess die Beanie Baby that a lot of other people don't have. It does make you feel special. And then the other thing that happens though, too, when you're a collector like that, as much as there's that feeling of uniqueness, you also now feel like you belong to a community because you're a community of, of people, like-minded people who are collecting this item. And so there's other things that play into it, but um, it's huge. And that's why the different things that come up and 
you know, the products that are harder to get. I mean, you see that frenzy there. The PS5, I mean, that I have two teenage boys. PlayStation. So, yes. Yeah, but, yeah, so oh, any, my gosh. Yeah, I so remember when my kids right. were into PlayStation and all that. Yep. Yeah. And it was really interesting because uh, this last, you know, Black Friday of 2022, it was Walmart and I believe Best Buy because it was hard to find. I mean, the PS5 has been hard to get for a while. Now, what they did is they ended up because they have their special, you could pay to be, you know, a member. I think it's Walmart Plus, and I forget what Best Buys is. It's it's slipping my mind right now, but you pay for this reward membership. So you pay to be part of now this exclusive group. And now that you're in this exclusive group, you can get access to a hard to get item that's low in stock. It just had all these different aspects of scarcity all wrapped in. And so I thought that was really fascinating watching that this last uh, Black well, Friday too. What's interesting is these membership programs, I mean, there's scarcity if you aren't mm -hmm. a member, mm -hmm. which is why True. you need to be a member to right. eliminate scarcity and the fear of missing out. Right, right. And that's the thing too, we haven't you know, dove into too much of the fear of missing out, but that is a huge part of scarcity. I mean, Again, how I said in the beginning, our brains, they are part the primal part of our brain reacts a certain way. And so there tends to be that fear of I'm not going to get this product when I want to get it, or I'm not going to be able to be part of this group or this opportunity might go by. But what's really interesting, and this is just more good to know from a customer perspective too, is that you can have that fear of loss and even in anticipation that there's going to be regret, but it's actually a lot of times just short-lived too. So it doesn't mean that that's going to be a feeling that sticks around. It's usually pretty short-lived. And and I'm sure there are many people out there that have experienced the exact opposite of that, where they were able to get something, mm -hmm. paid an incredibly inflated price, and six months later said, why did I spend <laughs> that much money on this? Right. There's more remorse the other way. And it is interesting because there has been a ton of psychological research that supports what you just said. It, it It's the way that we are. And actually, even there's been research showing that the feelings of excitement that we might get about the idea of gaining something is actually not as strong as the feelings even of the missing out. So just so many interesting things that happen to us. But, you know, from going back to the customer service perspective, you just need to think about how can you do it in a positive way, in a fun way, and something that really does truly speak to your customers. Yeah. And I love the idea that you create a community uh, like I'm a collector. Mm -hmm. I collect Houdini. Well, if you look in behind me, you're going to say, well, he collects all kinds of <laughs> crap. Okay. One of my big favorite collections is my Houdini movie memorabilia. Uh, I collect movie memorabilia from one particular movie that starred Tony Curtis and Janet Lee called Houdini about mm -hmm. Houdini's life story. I have more posters and window cards, lobby cards, eight by 10 glossies, more than anybody in the world. And there are other collectors out there and we love to hang out and see each other's collection. And it creates this community. Right. And we're helping each other. Did you see this on eBay? Did you see this on some obscure site that somebody might have something for sale? It's very, very cool. Uh, so I, I love what you're talking about. You have taken, you really have, you've taken something that I think is a marketing technique mm -hmm. that some people think is sleazy. Right. And turn it into something pretty darn exceptional. Thank you. Everybody out there should take a look at it because doing it the right way creates the right experience. You want to create a, an experience mm -hmm. of community around your brand and your products and services. Well, this is a really cool way to do it. And, and, you know, I'm amazed. And I would imagine, 
I don't think there's a scarcity of iPhones out there, but maybe riddle me this, Mindy, Dr. Mindy, <laughs> riddle me this one. Why is it knowing that if I, I'm going to get my iPhone, why should I stand in line for hours and hours, <laughs> maybe days in front of the AT&T or whatever the store is, the Apple store to get my iPhone when I know, you know, I could wait about a week and I'm going to be able to get one. What is it that makes people want to do that? Well, okay. So if you think about it, it's not everybody. So not everybody's going to do that. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm good with waiting. It's the people who want self-expression. They want to go on social media and show that they have the latest phone to feel like they're an early adopter, that they're, you know, more, you know, um, ahead of the game. I mean, there are certain ways that people are wired that they're going to be more drawn to that. So that's so that why. nothing about fear of missing out. It's well, actually- For those people, for those people a bit, because they're going to miss that opportunity to be one of the first adopters. No, but I think there's a fulfilling piece of it that mm -hmm. makes them feel I'm I'm fulfilled because I'm an early adopter. I proved yes. <laughs> that I'm an early adopter. And the proof that I'm willing to do that is probably more important than the scarcity itself. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And that's the thing. I mean, with everything we're talking about, so much is just the psychology part. I mean, when I'm saying I've been studying scarcity, I'm not talking about from an economic point of view. I'm talking about the point of view of what is it doing to us, you know, and, and how is it driving us? Because it's pretty amazing. Yep. Well, wrapping it all up, I want to always ask the one thing mm -hmm. question, and I'd love for you to share one golden nugget from the book that would just make us want to go out there and buy this <laughs> book, The Power of Scarcity. So well, I my, know well, I know what oh, it is, by the way. With, I'm but, just gonna here's here's my nugget. Buy it because you might run out. You might go out of print. No, that, that's not it. <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I interrupted you. I apologize. No, that is too funny. I know actually when it first was released, Amazon had messages on there that was, you know, only five left. And I had people screenshotting that, sending it to me, going, You did this on purpose. <laughs> like I did not. Exactly. But it couldn't have gone better, right? So but I think you're okay now. I think you can go on there. My golden nugget, and this is something that I actually love so much about this whole idea with scarcity, is that implementing it to build that community, to strengthen those relationships, to build that fun and excitement, you can do it without spending a dime. I mean, it's a matter of just how are you wording things? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. What words are you using? Because you probably have some scarcity already in your business and you're just not communicating it. And that's what I find so brilliant about it. So I'm not proposing a new tactic that you're like, great, I got to add this to the budget. No, just you need to think about how you are positioning and wording your messages to your customers. Can you give us an example of um, a phrase uh, that is exactly what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, this one is actually super simple, but I, and I got this actually from talking to a jewelry company, the executive, and she's got a multi-million dollar, $20 million business. And so she said for them by accident, they just realized that when they, they'd been sending emails out to customers, but when they actually just put in the subject line, restocked and then put the product in there, that's all. They were just trying to let people know because the product had been out, they sold out instantly again. And it wasn't a marketing ploy. It wasn't anything like that. It was just using the right word. It wasn't the product is the subject line. It just restocked, you know, and there are I things like that. Yeah. Restocked implies we sold out before. Mm -hmm. We might get it sell before out again. we sell out again. Right. Right. And then the rest of the message wasn't, you know, just went into the product and here you could buy now. So there's simple things like that. Again, that you don't have to break the bank to use this principle. Just really be intentional about your wording. 
I love it. Great, great episode today. You shared really a tremendous amount of nuggets. I urge you to listen, everybody, to this again and again, at least two or three times. Pick up the ideas before we take it off the air. No, I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. We won't do that. But, but Mindy, thanks so much for being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. You've been awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another amazing interview. We will be back next week with another guest. Please tune in. Until that time, this is Chef Hike and reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.